This is Wealth Builders, presented by State & Walsh, a show designed to pull back the curtain of the financial industry and bring true transparency to the forefront of conversation. On the show, we cover topics like financial education, current events, and interview business leaders and industry experts with the ultimate goal of helping listeners discover their own path to financial independence. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Wealth Builders. Before we get into this week, Ryan, I got I got to ask you: Do you consider yourself an artist? Not at all. No, I can't draw, or I, I don't. I can appreciate art, but I don't have a much of an artistic side myself. Well, admittedly. Well, then let's talk a bit about this beautiful blog post you just wrote called "By the Art of Financial Planning," because we talk about art. A lot of people think they draw and everything here, but there there really is an art to financial planning. Because it's everybody has a different situation from the personal level to the business level. So today's episode is all just about how to be creative in financial planning because there really is an art to it in creating the outcomes for your life. So let's kick it off with that, Ryan. Let's, let's talk about financial planning, what elements goes to like kind of creating everyone's own masterpiece in their own financial lives. I think when you talk about financial planning, it's important that you have to you have to kind of define what that even looks like or what that means. And so most people, when they think about the idea of planning, financial planning specifically, they'll look at things like numbers, budgets. They kind of look at things through like a, how do I calculate probabilities of success? And a lot of it is is mathematics based. And that's not always the the case when you're building a financial plan. The reality is that money is a vehicle to achieve goals. And and so we all have goals and wants as individuals, you know, ourselves included. And when we're going through the process of trying to plan around those goals and objectives, we have to figure out which vehicles make the most sense to help us get there and achieve them. And so it's not necessarily as simple as saying, take a dollar, put it into this account, multiply it by this much, and I will have this in the future. Life does not work in as an equation it doesn't work in linear fashion i think we're all probably aware of that in some way everyone's had an example of life throwing them a curveball along the way and so when you talk about numbers and math and all these equations they're helpful and they're helpful metrics to use but they're only part of the story and so the color or the art behind it is really figuring out how you take the you know, I like to call it, you have the hard data, which is the numbers, and then the soft data, which is the things that I'm feeling, things that I want, things that I want to achieve in my life, and how am I going to use this vehicle, money in this case, to achieve those things, and what kind of feeling or a sense of fulfillment am I going to get from that specifically? And so that's hard to do. Not everyone is great at it, and that's why it it makes our profession significantly more challenging too, is that you have to not only learn how to manage the the formulas, but also understand and have emotional intelligence when you're dealing with with people's lives and and kind of their biggest biggest discussions that they'll have in in the near near term and long term when we talk about financial freedom and independence and retirement. And, and like you said, there, there's there's a science to it too because there's there is a lot of data. There's a lot of mm-hmm. numbers and 
you said products and calculations and Monte Carlo simulation, all these things. So there is some type of intersection as well between art and science. How do we use these vehicles in a creative way to create that, you know, that outcome that yeah. everyone's looking for? And that's true in certain areas. Like investing is a specific area where there's a lot of data and science and number crunching that goes into that process. But how do you align that with individual aspirations of people? And so markets move in cycles. We, we've seen that, we've experienced it, but we as investors, even if we understand the data, get emotionally attached to the moment that we're living in today. That's never been more true than now. Market has moved drastically in multiple directions in a very short period of time. If you think what happened during COVID, sharp decline, sharp upswing, 2022, gradual yet drastic decline when we talk about US stock markets, and then 2023, kind of the, the opposite of that. And so we know that these things happen and we understand the statistical measure of if we do things with a long-term point of view, things tend to work themselves out from a market perspective. Even though we have a, a mathematical understanding of that, unfortunately, we have an emotional side to our brain. So there's you know two sides to every human's brain. And so how do we merge those two together and, and really convince ourselves that we can be optimistic about things when everything around us tells us that there's not a really good reason to to be optimistic, or maybe we should be pessimist, pessimistic about our outlook. And so there are certainly times where the calculations don't yield a result that makes people feel warm and fuzzy. But at the same time, you know, everything that we do is point in time if we're talking about today. And so looking into the future, looking, and none of us have a crystal ball, but we do know what you're trying to achieve what you want out of, again, the vehicle, the product, the money, the account, whatever you want to call it. So how do we just merge that with the emotional attachment that we have to you know, something that is on your mind or a planning item that you kind of have on your horizon? Yeah, because we always say, you know, math's not money, money's not math. There used to be that old commercial, that ING commercial, like, what's your number? Oh, it's $2 million retirement, but how, how do we get there? And it's, it's so arbitrary because it's not... I think about that and it's like, yes, that's great, but we're looking at a number 20, 30 years sometimes down the road with inflation, all the other things that go into so much financial life. And I think that's really become like the art and like the actual planning, like the customization of no two individuals are like, no two businesses are like. And there's so much product out there. You go look at on the news, there's every single day, there's no insurance product, investment product, you know, exchange traded fund. Here's the hot stock to buy. And all these different things that we had to deal with all this financial data coming at us. But how do you, you know, clear through all that, create a clear, precise way to create the exact piece of financial art so it gets you to that number in that commercial? Yeah, there, there's a really interesting element to human development in general and just psychology is that we're, we're pretty heavily shaped by our, our environment. And so that seems to be true socially as well. And money is a social thing, like whether people want to believe that or not. The environment we live in today is that, like you said, there's a lot of information. The speed at which that information moves is faster than it's ever been. 
you can get access to financial data on your phone in a matter of seconds. There's apps associated with this stuff. And so naturally what happens is we are influenced by our surroundings and by our environment. And so when social media or somebody says like, things are great, things are bad, we react to that or we feel the need to do something to move the needle. And so what do we do about that when we're talking about financial planning? Well, those are things that are knee-jerk reactions potentially, and that doesn't really focus on the plan itself. And so our job as advisors, and really the point of all this is that by understanding the art that goes along with it, we can take that data and all of that information that's being dumped into the universe, whether it's through social media or informational apps, whether it's legit or not, we can use some of that for good. But how we do that and how we position that is really the art in all of this. And so you mentioned customized solutions. Financial planning in itself is a, a pretty much a problem-solving project. I have a goal or an objective. I have a resource that I can use to get there, and I potentially have a surplus or a gap. And now if I don't have enough to do that, that is a gap. And so from a purely analytical lens, you could look at that and say like, all right, how do I calculate a way to get there? But in a, in a true problem solving environment, like if you look at some of the best companies and corporations in the world, they have these you know, creative think tanks and these, the ability to tap into the potential of their employees to help them think beyond the scope of, of what's normal. And so I think financial planning is no different. Like we have to be willing to go outside the box to solve problems. And so there are certain products or strategies that might normally fit in a box for majority of Americans, but there's, there's definitely instances where we can get really customized and, and not adhere to the standard if someone wants something a little more specific in their life. So, you know, I think that's a big part of it. There's also the adaptability component where like things are moving fast, they change fast. You know, we've we've grown in a world of over the past, you know, several years of different types of investments. I mean, you think about like cryptocurrencies and, you know, some of the attention that those types of things get. People don't really some understand, some don't understand at all. How does that fit? So, being adaptable and staying nimble in our role as a planner and understanding things that we may never use. Like there's a reality that there are products out there and things that exist in the marketplace that we may not agree with, we may never use, but it's important for us to understand them so that we can properly educate people on that and use that in a comprehensive process to make sure that clients feel good about what they're doing and they don't get sucked into the normal kind of the normal flow downstream of, hey, there's this hot new thing, a shiny new object, I need to figure out how I can use it to, to plan. It's not even that, it's, it's tax laws. It's it's just laws sure. in general that are changing. Mm-hmm. You know, like we had the Secure Act 2.0 came out, uh, was it last year, the year before that, there's talks about, you know, the um, state taxes changing, sunset here in a few years. So it's like being adaptive and nimble, as you said, for these things. Yeah. And then not even that, it's, you know, one of the most important things in life in general, like if you talk to anybody who's successful, is that they there's a visualization and a motivation to how do we get to that end goal, to write these things down. I think having a way to visualize your life, whether it's through a financial plan software or writing down your goals or like around kind of like how we're going to get there, how we're going to visualize this. And that comes down to that, that piece of art, right? It's like, what does that look like there? 
yeah, there are people that are analytical or visual or, you know, emotional or expressive. You have all these different personality types. I think that's the challenge too, is that if you're someone who looks at finances through the lens of its form. So if you're an analytical person, you love spreadsheets. You love this idea of calculations and formulas. If you're a visual or conceptual person, you don't necessarily love that idea. That That's where you kind of glaze over and you're like, okay, great. I can get there if I do this, this, and this. And you're, it's, there's nothing exciting about that. And so I think like when you're building your own plan and, and for folks that work with planners, like our clients or people that don't, I think that's where a lot of people get lost is like they don't know where to start and they don't know what they should be doing and they don't know how to visualize it. They have an idea in their head. And that idea is that they want experiences, they want accomplishments, they want some kind of enrichment. Money is a way to help achieve those things, but how do I get there? So having visualization, like you said, like seeing it, you know, some people have vision boards, people have physical financial plans, you have all kinds of technology and you know, things that we provide and things that are readily available out there in the market where you can go like plug in information and get quick, easy, you know, visuals on you know, progress tracking, for example. So those things are important. I think that as technology has advanced, it has made a lot of what we do more adaptable to different people and different personality types and not kind of a cookie cutter one, one size fits all. And so it's, beca- it's definitely evolved as an art and the, that you know, emergence of like the combination of art and science has, be- has been made possible because of some of the advances that the industry has made either you know through technology or just other creative thought leaders really getting ahead of the curve i mean you look at even just five ten years ago what a financial plan was it was a 80 page document put on client's desk it's spreadsheets numbers and it's like all right that's more confusing than visualizing what success is you know so it's it's, it's really amazing how that technology and how planners have adapted yeah. to what the new age client is looking for when they're visualizing their ends yeah i think the length of a financial plan does not guarantee success so the longer it is the better it is or or guarantee quality for that matter i mean there are tons of people out there that that have this idea there's you know some folks like the carl richards of the world that have like the one page plan idea he was a big champion of that that movement and and that's essentially like taking what could have been on 80 pages worth of work and you know, kind of boiling it down and condensing it down to let's get everything on one page where you can look at it once a year as a client and say like, I'm doing these things. I'm not doing these things. Here's what I got to do to move the needle. And, and ultimately that makes it universally acceptable or helpful. You don't eliminate people you know, or weed people out of the process. And so there are going to be cases where those longer, you know, you know, we don't bind plans or like create physical deliverables much anymore, but there are cases where those types of plans make sense. And there's a lot of cases where they don't. And so understanding how to do that is, you know, the kind of the whole foundation of the conversation we're having today, which is, you know, it it really is just as much an art as it is a science. And it's important to understand that, to know that, you know, if you're in a, in a situation where you're trying to build financial plans and you're just like feel like you're inundated with numbers and you're overwhelmed by these calculations and formulas, like it doesn't have to be that way. And you look at people who collect high-end art, what do they do? They protect it. They mm-hmm. insure it. 
There's something around it to make sure it's not damaged. And it's, it goes to the exact same thing with the art that we're creating, your masterpieces. How do we protect it? What's the risk management aspect of the financial piece of art we're creating to protect this beautiful thing that you're creating? You know, I think that's one of the biggest things people often lose track of when they're talking about the financial plan. They do all these great things to grow wealth, to grow their assets, do everything they want to do, but one thing can ruin all of that. So I think risk management from the insurance perspective, from risk tolerance and investing, you know, minimizing vulnerabilities when it comes to your plan. I think it's one of the most overlooked aspects of financial planning. Yeah, our, our industry loves to use terms like and visuals about like climbing mountains and there's all these acronym or all these visuals of Mount Everest and things like that. But you know, the best way I could describe it is if you were to approach a plan without and and that whole idea behind that is accumulation is you're climbing the mountain. You're trying to reach the summit, which is eventually that point of, hey, I can do the things that I want to do. That's that point of enrichment that I talked about earlier. And then from there, you have to get back down safely, which is a whole nother conversation as a part of this. But to go through the idea of planning and not take into consideration risk management, vulnerabilities, things of that nature. I mean, that's essentially like you're trying to climb an, a, a mountain with no equipment. You're, you're going off and, and trying to climb Everest without you know the right coat. You're wearing a windbreaker instead of a, a massive parka. And, and like people can get away with it and you can get away with that to some degree, but there will be a point in time naturally where things will not go perfectly. And so that's the hard part is that the science, the math behind planning is done in a vacuum. It's under the assumption that literally nothing goes wrong. Like I'm writing this down on this piece of paper, two plus one equals three, or, you know, you know, some calculation or version of that formula. And that's what I need to do what I want to do. And that's all I have to, you know, I just have to make those two things add up and I'll get there. That's not reality, unfortunately. I mean, we're, we're in a unique position that we experience a lot. I'd say like, you know, as advisors, we've seen a lot more bad stuff than most other people do in a lifetime. Unfortunately, we've seen those curveballs play out. Some have worked out perfectly fine. Some are, you know, or things that you can't do anything to mitigate after the fact and ultimately are, can't be reversed. And so once it's done, it's done. And so it's it's not to be doom and gloom, but ultimately you do have to think about those things. Like you said, like minimizing those vulnerabilities will prepare you to be able to continue down the path that you're on. And in the event that you can't continue on that path or you have to take a different path, the whole thing doesn't just blow up. And now we have a like you said earlier, an 80 page document that's basically, you know, a f- you know, kindling for firewood at that point. Like that's, you know, that's reality. So things have to be addressed. It's, it's not, I mean, uh, from my perspective, like there are formulas and things that, that most certainly go into it. And I'm kind of partially an analytical guy myself. So I use a lot of numbers and projections and in practice and in my, in my own life. And, but I also understand that everything doesn't plug into a spreadsheet. Life doesn't work that way. It is very much a dynamic journey. It requires a combination of that analytical thought 
And it doesn't have to be, you know, more heavily weighted one or the other, but there is some thought that goes into it, but it's a lot about creativity and creative thinking and being able to think outside the box to, to get where you want to go. And yeah, so it's dynamic. Yeah. You know, like you said, this is yeah. always ever evolving. So as we're wrapping up, if you ever have any questions about creating your own masterpiece around financial planning, I think it's, it's so important to visualize what you want in, in, in life. And it's not just visualizing retirement, it's visualizing things you want to accomplish in the short term. What's the next six, 12 months look like? What's the next two to five years look like? So it's extremely important. I believe visualization is, is powerful in every aspect of life. So but we really appreciate everyone listening in today. We were going to be posting the blog post along with this podcast. And if you like today's episode, please like and subscribe. Ryan, any last minute thoughts from you as we're wrapping up? No, no. Obviously, I'm a little biased. I think we're awesome at, at, at this. But I think that no, I think it, we are living in a new age in a lot of ways. Uh, and this is not just not just financial planning related, but just in a lot of aspects of life. And so it's okay to be outside the box. It's okay to to, to be different. And if you're doing something different than your your coworker or somebody else that you know when you're sitting around the water cooler having those conversations, like I think it's perfectly normal. So there's a reason for be, that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think I think if you're not getting that from your relationships today whether it's this or anything else that you're, you know, you're working with professionals in your life, like it is possible. It's out there. It's a, don't be afraid to kind of branch out, think outside the box. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening today. We hope you have a great week and stay tuned for our next episode.